can remember that here. I can't remember to turn it on there. So, I don't know. There's all kinds of ways for you to plug into Celebration of Hope over the next uh, few weeks. And I want to draw like our talk of uh, being the body of Christ over the last three weeks when we talked about why church matters. And this is an opportunity for us to be really the body of Christ, to draw together, to unite uh, for all the parts that we have collected here to come together and to just make an impact uh, with what we're looking at. Now, some of you would, would say, well, Tom, why are we focusing on Guatemala again? We've, we've done different things every year. I want to share with you a passage that is incredibly familiar to you. In fact, the world has hijacked this passage, and they use it for all their purposes, too. Uh, they leave out a lot of important things, but it's still a significant passage. You know it pretty well. It's found uh, in the book of Luke, chapter 10, starting in verse 25, and we know it as the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan. It's Jesus teaching about the Good Samaritan. Now, I'm just going to overview it this morning um, for the next few minutes, and then I want to highlight why we're doing what we're doing in these three individual areas as it focuses on Guatemala. So, Luke chapter 10, this is how it starts. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, expert in the law, remember, we're not just talking about kind of an average Joe. This is somebody who would have known the scripture inside and out very, very well. Some form of religious leader, teacher of the law. Uh, So they would have known the Old Testament very, very well. Probably had the Old Testament memorized And that would have been their education. They knew how to speak from the Old Testament. They knew how to argue for it as well. They knew how to use the Old Testament to interpret things that would happen that maybe doesn't show up as clear in the Old Testament. They knew the law. They knew the Old Testament. That's what we're talking about here. This is the kind of person that came up and talked to Jesus. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, an expert in the law already has his own opinion, okay? He's not asking Jesus because he has no idea or it's never crossed his mind, but he would like to know what Jesus' take on this is. And Jesus, of course, comes back and he says, well, uh, what is written in the law? He knows who the guy is. So what's written in the law? Jesus, of course, would have known the scriptures as well. How do you read it? So here's what the expert in the law responded. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, correct in this, Jesus says. This is, this is a good answer here. So he already had this thinking. He already had this, this question, or the answer to the question formed in his head when he asked Jesus the question. And so now he shares it. Do you know that... Um, I will usually share, and you're probably this way, an answer to a question, especially, really boldly, especially if I know I already do the answer pretty well. And that's what's kind of going on. He probably already had, in his own interpretation, he did the love your Lord your God with all your heart and the love your neighbor as yourself really well. And so how, how does one inherit eternal life? Well, what does the law say? Well, the law says to do this. Oh, I'm doing pretty good then. I'm, I'm set. Jesus is going to take him for a little ride here, though. You've answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Going further, though, he's asked, but, what, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's an interesting line there that Luke puts in the scripture, that he wanted to justify himself. He wanted to make himself right. 
So he says, and who is my neighbor? Here's what he expected when Jesus' answer, whatever it may have been, he would be able to even further say, oh, well, okay, I'm doing that too. I'm in good shape. Jesus shares the response. Now, you know this story, right? I'm going to re- overread it. I'm going to read over it for you here, and then we'll t- ch- check out this little thing Jesus says at the end that's kind of interesting. In reply, this is what Jesus said. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So here's the road between Jerusalem and, and Jericho here, right? This stretch here. Um, Probably kind of a dangerous road to be out on. This person is beat up. He's on the side of the road. And there he is, um, dying on the side of the road is what the scripture is telling us. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw this man, he passed by on the other side. So a priest, you would think very highly of priests usually, um, comes by, sees this guy dying, and moves on by. We find in verse 37, So too a Levite, when he came to this place and saw him pass by, on the other side as well. Now, religious type leader here, a priestly type role for the the Levite person here. And he comes down, similar to the first priest, and passes on by and moves on and goes on his way. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him into an inn to take care of him. The next day he took two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Samaritan. Now, you may know this already, but a Samaritan would have been, in this day, in the day of Jesus, the greatest enemy of the Jew. Just completely do not like each other. It's like, you know, when Republicans and Democrats get together and you throw out an issue that's not very nonpartisan and let them go. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the Jews and Samaritan here, too. Really a heightened, heightened degree. They just went at each other all the time. And the Jews would look at the Samaritan as unclean and dirty and unacceptable in God's eyes. So it goes really strong what they, their take on the Samaritans. And so Jesus, a Jew, sharing this story to an expert in the law, a Jew, uses the Samaritan, this person who they would view as unclean, unacceptable in the eyes of God, and that person is what? The hero of the story. Does he have the expert in the law's attention? Absolutely here. So Jesus, after the end of this story, he says this in verse 36, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? It's interesting the way Jesus phrases it here. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' response here says, which one do you think acted like a neighbor? Which one do you think was neighborly? In a way, Jesus is turning into a, a verb, an adverb, neighborly there. Which way, which person do you think acted like a neighbor should act? So Jesus was making it very clear in his response here, we're not talking about proximity. We're not talking about the person that lives next door. We're not talking about the ones you run in your circle. Who do we call our neighbors sometimes? Well, the actual people that live on our left and right. You know, like my former neighbors are right here in church. So, um, my new neighbor, um, Mike, how are you? Um, here down in church. Um, we look at these and say, that's my neighbor. I mean, these are the people I go borrow tools with and sometimes return uh, those tools. I mean, that's what we call 
our neighbor, right? Or it's the people that we work with because they're in our circle and we see them all the time and we'll kind of stretch the definition and say, well, that's kind of my neighbor because we hang out, you know, we share a cubicle together, an office together, and we run in the same circle. Or we say, it's my buddies I get together with and we do hobbies and stuff and so we're on the same team together. And we'll call that our neighbor. Jesus is making sure just very quickly in this response to say, we're not talking about proximity. We're not talking about the people you're close to who acted like a neighbor, who treated somebody else like a neighbor would treat, who lended his tools to somebody else here. I'm not expecting him in return. <laughs> who was like a neighbor? That's how Jesus responds. It's very interesting that Jesus' response, very subtle, changes the definition of neighbor to this, this expert in the law. The expert in the law, of course, he answered, and he had nowhere to go with this one. He answered correctly, the one who had mercy on him. And what does Jesus say? Go back to the beginning. How do I have eternal life? Well, what does the law say? The law says this. All right, do that and you will live. And Jesus finishes this and says, told him, go and do likewise. Do just what he said. Why has Guatemala gripped us so much? The, the things that Patty shared with you about that we talked about uh, over the first three years of Celebration of Hope were very significant ministries. In fact, I stay plugged in a bit to what's going on with the with STAT of North Carolina, the, the human trafficking house, because it's in and through our denomination still. But there's something about what was going on in Guatemala that just, it impacted us. It, it, it hooked us in. And when we started to learn that it wasn't just about sending a team or a team going down there and doing some work projects and coming home and then we'll do a Sunday where they share everything and we'll all cheer about it and it'll be a wonderful experience together. When we started to understand, no, it is about taking a kid who doesn't have much and who's on the path to, to really nowhere in their life and we can be a blessing to that kid, and we can be a part of seeing that kid grow up, not just through one celebration of hope one year, but through impacting that kid year after year after year after year, and to see the difference. And then when we saw the difference that it can make in the life of a kid for seemingly, in American dollar terms, a very, very little amount of dollars, it just felt like we should stay plugged in a bit more with, this, with what's going on here. That, that we should just stay, we just should stay locked in here and be a blessing for, for them for the long haul. But then we started to look at more things that were going on. Uh, Casita Adonai that, that Patty talked about, the school that's being built down there, um, when we started looking and researching and learning about education in, in underdeveloped countries and specifically in Guatemala down, you may not know this, but uh, Guatemala there has one of the lowest literacy rates of all of Central America. And when you take urban kids as well and you, and you segment down to the urban areas, it drops way, way down. And there's some stats that were released. In fact, there was a whole study that was released in 2006. And it showed that there was actually this increase in, in um, they call it registration of schools, this increase from 39% to 72.5% from the 90s to 2006. And it's like, wow, huge success story, right? But those who are involved in education there, those who uh, are on the ground and they're, they're seeing this, they started to break down those numbers and they said, registration rate, that means nothing. It means nothing. 
it means a building was put up. It was called a school. That was funded. In fact, there, over the series of, of about four years, there was $33 million that was pumped in for education into Guatemala. It was used for that purpose. Buildings were built, but nothing stuck. And so registration rate means they went out and they got kids registered to school, but guess what? When it's time to go to school, there's a building and often no teachers, many times no curriculum. Uh, many times it, it comes and it's just another kind of form of, of daycare or something or games or fun throughout the day for the kids. Sometimes it's they come and they work throughout the day and it doesn't actually look like education. And so the stat, 39 to 72.5, looks really good. But when you're on the ground and you're looking in the classroom, you realize it's not kids at desk learning. And so in Guatemala, the, the literacy rate continues to be very low as it is uh, compared to other Central American countries. Excuse me. And so why are we doing it this year again? Because those things just gripped us here. When our Justice and Compassion team talked about those type of things, when Patty and I talked and she shared with me about those things, I thought... Those things are a bigger deal than just moving on to the next thing God might have for celebration of hope. Now, if God has tugged on your heart in another area of justice and compassion and missions, and, and you're like, I just want to fund this because God's put them, by all means, go for it. But recognize, as a church, we realize we can make a, a significant impact. So we started off this year saying, we're going to do more. Uh, we're going to target Celebration of Hope. We're going to talk about education. We're going to talk about what's going on. And we're going to highlight also our team that's going down. Now, when we launched a team to go down and actually be a part of building and finishing that school down there, uh, what we thought was, now let me back up and say it correctly, all right? What I hoped for was that we'd have a dozen people signed up. I expected it to go this way. I expected to have a sign-up of about five, six, seven, maybe we'd get to eight, and then I would be on the phone calling and hounding people to say, you know, really, you need to do this. This is a great opportunity for you. And that we would just keep ticking away over the next few months, and somewhere around May, I'd call Patty and say, hey, got our 12th person. I think we can do our own team, which would be way after the deadline, and we'd be scrambling, but I'd be saying, don't you think you can kind of make it happen still? That's how I thought it would go. And in God's way, in your response already, we had 19 of you sign up. 19 signed up that said, I'm, I'm ready to go. We had one person that came up and said, look, I'm, I'm ready to give uh, some money for a deposit. And I said, great, you want to help somebody's deposit. That's wonderful. You know, you can write that $100 check. And, and he goes, no, no, I want to do all the deposits, you know, for the 15-person for the team. Um, that's how God was already moving, and it, it just validated for us that this is the direction we need to go in celebration of hope and what we need to focus. So, um, so over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. We talked about education today. That's what the team is going to be going and working on, putting that school and finishing that school so that this Christian school that's going in there can can flourish so that the kids in that community can go and they can have a teacher and they can have curriculum and they can have an education uh, in that area. And we'd love to fund all of Guatemala, would we not? But this body of Christ can make an impact in this school. And we just believe in reading the scripture that we can't walk by like the priest. It's become so real and clear to us that if we pass by, then we're just waiting and hoping for a Samaritan to come by and take care of them. And God said, no, you're the person. You're the one to stop. You're the one to pick them up and put them on your donkey. You're the one to take them to the inn and, and care for them. 
and now every single person here won't go on the trip, right? It's okay. It's okay, all right? Every single one of you may not be a part of certain elements of what we're doing, um, but all of us can do something in some way to be a part uh, of this mission. So Patty highlighted some things. Let me just overview them as I close up. Um, This next week, starting next Monday, and and we'll talk about it Sunday, we're doing our week of solidarity where we're going to eat like those in Guatemala for a week. I know. Some of you are like, listen, I know they they don't eat well. I I, I get it. I understand um, that. But there's something about just empathy when we empathize and we do just like them. And if over the course of the week... Uh, it just hits you every meal, and it's like, gosh, I, I don't like this. It prompts you to pray, to say, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for what God's doing. I'm going to pray for our church who is trying to make an impact. And then that last week on the 22nd, we're doing an international potluck. We have a, a refugee family that's going to come. They're going to join our praise team, and, and they're going to you know, sing it out uh, and have a good time with us that morning. I'm sure they'll bring some dishes for you to try as well. You bring some dishes. So we'll celebrate at the end of our, our fast as well together with that international potluck. Um, but what we'll also do, we're calling it our compassion offering. And that morning, we're, just, we're collecting finances specifically for Guatemala. We're not taking a dime for the church. We don't need any administrative money or anything like that. Everything that comes in that special offering will go 100% towards the Guatemalan missions. In in some way, it'll go towards uh, what we're talking about with Caroline's Promise through what's happening down there. That will happen on the 22nd. So if you have money already, you're like, I need to set this aside. Or as Patty said, great idea, pull it out of the grocery bill that you'll save during, during the week of solidarity. However the Lord puts it on your heart, I believe we can make a big impact in that offering that week. So let me pray for you uh, in this area, and, and, uh, and we'll continue finishing our time of worship this morning. Father, thank you that um, you've put on our heart to be about more than just ourselves. And Lord, we walked for three weeks through how important it is. This church is important to be a believer and to be called one in your body and then to be part of the local church right here at Wendover Hills. But Lord, we recognize that to be a part of the local church, it's really just to mobilize us to do the work of your kingdom outside of these doors. And so Lord, we're mobilizing ourselves during this celebration of hope. And I just uh, want to pray for this congregation. I want to pray that you would speak to every heart here. And that over the course of the three weeks, if there's anything you need to teach us about serving outside of ourselves, about being the Good Samaritan to someone that you've put in our path, even at times when it, it, it wears on us, it taxes us, it takes our time, Lord, that we would step out in faith and we would do that. And then when Jesus says to us, which one acted neighborly? Um, not in a prideful way, Lord, we'll be able to say, we did. We acted neighborly because we followed what you were prompting us, God. Lord, we go ahead and we bless every child that will be reached in Guatemala. We ask that, first of all, Lord, that every child we have the ability to have an impact would come to know you as their personal Savior. They would join and be a part of the universal church that we've been talking about because they accepted you as a believer in Christ. And then, Lord, we pray for every single one that we would be able to, to care for them with, with their education, as to, to, to allow them to be literate, to allow them to finish school, to, to even go beyond grammar school, to learn and to have opportunity for a great job, a thinking job. And then, Lord, we also pray for those that, uh, that are hungry, that we can make an impact on with food, 
and with finances that will be translated into substance for them. Lord, we lift this to you and we ask that you would just take this little that we can give here at Wendover Hills and you would multiply it, expand it to your glory. We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen.